0: Good morning again. Welcome here to the Christian Church of Carl Junction, and welcome to worship as the disciples did today. We're continuing our series called Ashes, where we are talking about how God wants to restore us from the ashes of sin and shame to the glory of life in his kingdom. And I believe God's going to speak to us today as we talk about God's will and how we can understand, I believe we can understand God's will when my son, Andrew, was about four years old or so, he wanted to play sports. He wanted to get on a team. He had some buddies that were all going to start playing together. And, and so Andrew wanted to join this team, and we were all about it. So he said, Andrew, what do you want to play? And Andrew says one day, I want to play soccer. Soccer. I don't know if you've ever had kids that play soccer, but you know when you're watching four-year-old little guys and little gals play soccer, it's like semi-controlled chaos on the field of just running around a pack of kids a cloud of dust and a little ball out there and that is soccer as i experienced this so andrew played soccer that year and we had a blast we went to the practices every week we went to the games on saturday and had a blast at soccer the season ended and the next year came around and andrew says dad i want to play soccer again i said all right let's play soccer again so as about a five-year-old, we signed him up for soccer and he went and he played on the team and he had a blast playing soccer that year. All of the practices and all of the games and all the things that we do. And that year ended and we went through the, the offseason and it came back to time for sports again. Andrew says, I want to play soccer so we went and we signed him up and they said now when he's getting a little bit older now, so the, the field is going to get bigger. It's, it's more room to run. I said, okay. And they said, and because he's getting older, the, the teams we're going to play, they are farther away. So it's going to be more drive time to get to where they are. And we said, okay. That'll be all right. And so Andrew, as a six year old, would play all the practices and all the games. And, and he did all the running, and he hated it because he is my son. And we, we went and played, and, and the games got to be like an hour away. It was farther away. And so we finished the season. The next year, Andrew comes up and says, I want to play soccer. And I said, Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I, you don't like the running, I don't like the driving. It's rainy and cold in soccer season. I don't know if this is what we want to do. He says, Dad, I want to play soccer. Okay. So we signed him up on the team. And he went out and he played. And he hated almost every minute of it because all the running. And he griped and complained the entire season. I hate running. I hate the practices. I I hate wasting Saturdays. I don't want to do it. The next year comes around and he comes up. He's like, Dad, I want to play soccer. I said, son, you don't want to play soccer. I know you don't want to play soccer. He says, I do. I really do. I really want to play soccer. I said, are you sure, man? Remember the running? He's like, yep. I said, you hate the running? Yep. Remember the practices? Yep. You hate the practices? Yep. Remember the, the driving? You hate the driving? Yep. Why do you want to play soccer? He said, dad, I hate soccer. And he said, all soccer is, is running and pretending you're hurt so you don't have to run anymore. (laughs) And I thought, that's accurate. Little guy, it's accurate. But I said, why do you want to play soccer? Why do you want to, if you hate it so much, why do you want to play soccer? And he looked at me, and he says, Dad, I hate the game, but I just want to be on a team. So I just want to wear the jersey, I just want to be on a team with my friends. I just want to show up. And he said, actually, I hope they don't ever put me in the game. I don't even want to go play. I Just let me sit on the bench. They can do all the running. I'll just cheer them on. I'll just tell them they're doing a great job. I'll just send them on their way. I just want to be on a team. And I think sometimes, if I'm really honest with myself, This is confession, not condemnation. I think sometimes I look at the church that way. I think I really want to be on a team. I really want to be in a family because you know that when you begin to follow Jesus, when you surrender to Jesus, you know you joined a family, right? I just want to be on a team and I just want to join a family but I don't want to do the work. I want to be on a family but I, I really don't want to read the Bible I want to be in the family but I don't want it to cost me anything I want to be in the family but I, I really don't want to get dirty I want to know that my family is winning the kingdom is growing the church is doing great things but I don't want to be the one that goes and has the awkward conversation with my neighbor sometimes I just want to be on the team but not do the work but when you join the family of God, you adopt the mission of God. When you join his family, you adopt his mission. You can't separate the two. They go hand in hand. This morning, I want to jump into First Peter chapter two, and I want to talk about the, the the will of God, the mission of God that we have. Because when you join the family, you also adopted the mission. Right here in First Peter chapter two. It says this, Peter is one of the disciples of Jesus and he's writing to to believers, to the church in a city where they are persecuted and they're attacked and they go through terrible things. They watch their friends get hunted down and they go through hard times to follow Jesus and he writes these words to them. He says, but you, church, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession. It's almost like Peter started writing, and he thought, I want, to, I want to tell the church, the family of God, I want to tell them who they are. So he put pen to paper and said, okay, you're a chosen people because God made you, and then he went and chose you, and he bought you back from sin again so you could be with him. You're a chosen people. But then he, he thought, that's not enough, though. I, also, I need to tell them they're a royal priesthood. You're a part of this priesthood of servants that go way back in history. And I need to tell him, I need to tell him, he said, oh yeah, you're a holy nation. You're, you're, you have an allegiance to a kingdom, a nation, and you're holy, you're set apart, you're different than the world around you. You live in the world, but you're not like the world. You're set apart from that. And Oh yeah, I need to tell you, you're a special possession of God. He didn't get stuck with you. He didn't happen onto you. He chose you, He made you, and He cherishes you. You're His special possession. That's who you are. When you follow Jesus, you join a family. So that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You joined a family so that you could do the mission of his kingdom. Once, he says, you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were all alone, once you were, you were confused, once you were lost, but now you're in this family, now you are on this team, now you are together with all these people. That's what Peter writes and says. You're in a family, and when you join the family of God, you adopt His mission. And so what is God's mission? What is it? Very simply, two parts. Part number one of God's mission. That you be saved. So God's mission, number one, is that you be saved. You be saved from the consequence of your sin, from the punishment of your sin, from an eternity separated from Him. And part number two, that everyone you know also be saved. That's the mission of God's kingdom, that you be saved and that everybody you know be saved. And when you join his family, you adopt that mission, which forces us to ask the question, what's my my role in that? And when I talk about the kingdom of God, when I talk about the will of God, I'm talking about your role. His will is your role in his mission So I'm going to pray real quick and ask that God would settle our minds and our hearts, open our ears, and let us see in Scripture exactly what his will is, because I think it's really, really, really simple. Let's pray again. Father, please speak to us out of your word here. Please let us see right now in these pages, hear in your voice and know in your spirit exactly what you would have us to do so we know how simple it really is. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it possible for you to know God's will? Yes. Very simply, yes. Is it possible that you can know God's will? Yes. I get asked all the time, I'm struggling to know God's will for my life right now. And that question is, so simple to answer, and we want to answer it today. But you got to know that God's will is in two parts, too. There's, there's the, I call it the secret will of God, the future will of God, the hidden part of God's will. And these are the questions like this. What, what am I going to do with my life in ten years? I want to know what God's will is for me in ten years. That's the hidden secret future part. Uh, who will I marry? What, what house What town am I going to move to? What house am I going to buy? That's the future kind of stuff. Those are the what if questions and the when questions. That's the future hidden secret part of God's will. And we spend all of our time chasing after that, looking for something fun and exciting and good and great and all of that. And we forget there's a second part of God's will. It's the revealed part of God's will, where God says, look, if you're going to follow me, this is exactly what I want you to know. This is exactly what I want you to do. Here is my will laid out, black and white, printed on paper now, given to you, preserved for you for all time. And we neglect that. But when we begin to engage God's will, revealed will for us right now, then we find it easier to know the future will as well. It's it's real simple. Here back to first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, this is what the disciple Peter writes in verse eleven. He says, Dear friends, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sexual or for sinful desires which wage war against your soul. What's God's will for my life? Well, it would appear, it would appear that God's will for my life is that I avoid things that lead to sin. You say, Adam, that's real simple. Like I meant, I want to know something that's like bigger and harder and better and shinier than that. Like it starts there. We got to know that God's will, it appears, is that we would avoid things that lead to sin. But then we go to arguing with God and we say to God, well, but God, but but what if this thing will make me happy? But what if this will make my family happy? But what if what if it makes me feel good? What if it doesn't hurt anybody but me? But what if it's not really a really big sinful desire? It's just something that I really want. And we start to argue with God. We have to know that we're always wrong. And God whispers in our ear, and he says, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter all your arguments. Because God's will for your life is that you avoid things that lead to sin. Period. Peter says in the next verse, he says right here, verse 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What is God's will for my life? Well, it would appear from what Peter wrote, from what God inspired, it would appear that God wants me to live such a good life that everybody sees the good things I do and thanks God for them and for me. That's what it would seem like But, but God, we argue. But God, I doing good things just kind. It's kind of boring. I don't want to be the good person all the time. But God, but God, I don't have time to do good things for all the other people. But God, but God, I I I'm kind of a private person. I don't want people to know how I spend my money. And what I give to, and what I do, and who I serve. I don't want people to know all that business. It's my business. I want them to stay out of my business. And God looks at you and says, you know what? It doesn't matter what you argue. If you want to know my will, he says, God's will is that you would live such a good life that everybody would see you, see the good things you do, recognize God in your life, and thank God for you. Period. Period. Peter says in verse 13, he says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So what is God's will for my life? Well, it would appear that God wants me to show honor and respect to all authority in my life, not just the ones that I like. Well, but God. But God, I don't like the president. But God, I don't like the members of Congress. But God, I don't like my boss. I don't like the principal at my kids' school. But God, I don't like the police. But God, I don't like some of the authorities that are over me. God, you only submit to authorities, but I don't like them. And I, I hear God say back to me, when I argue that, it doesn't matter what you think. If you want to know my will, He says God's will is that you would show honor and respect to all the authority in your life. And then he reminds us that when Peter wrote this and says to honor the emperor, that was the emperor that was burning his friend, Peter's friends to death. And God says, submit to him. That's my will. Peter says the next... Sentence, he says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Well, what's God's will for my life? It would appear that God wants me to end arguments with love instead of yelling, to end arguments with compassion instead of revenge. This one's clearly not one we want to follow, though, because I say, but God... But God, what if I just like to argue? But God, what if I what if I have a really clever argument? What if I saw a really clever argument on the internet and I really want to just I want to nail it? But God. What if what if I want the last word? But God, I want to make sure that they don't think that I might agree with them so I have to make it clear that I think they're dumb. And God says back to us, it doesn't matter what you think. If you want to know my will, says my will is that you would end arguments with love And compassion and service to others. I wrote it. It's pretty clear. And then Peter says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So what's God's will for my life? It it would appear that God wants me to use my freedom to serve his kingdom, But, but God, what if I don't want to use all my time for that but god what if i want to justify some things but god if i'm free that means i can choose what i want right god says it doesn't matter what you think if you want to know my will says god's will is that you would use every moment of your freedom from the time you wake up to the time you lay down to serve his kingdom And then Peter says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. But God, what if they don't deserve my respect? They've got to earn my respect. But God, what if if I don't like them? What if they've been mean to me? What if they've done horrible, evil, terrible, awful things? God says, it doesn't matter. My will is that my people would default to love and servanthood and honor. It's pretty simple, really. See, when I open this book, when I open the Word of God and I start to read in here, I see God's will written on every page all throughout this entire thing. It's written all through here. The problem is I don't like it. And the problem is I don't don't always want to do this. I'm just going to stop there with Peter's words, but he goes on and others write in the Bible too. They they tell us God's will really simply. Forgive people that hurt you. Don't be jealous of what your neighbor has. Don't curse those who've been mean to you. Forgive people. Embrace people. Speak graciously. Walk humbly. Act justly. Don't lie. He tells us his will all over this book. The problem is not understanding it, the problem is submitting to it. But what I would rather do is search after the what ifs and the whens and all the things in the future. But I will never figure that out. It's like with what's right now. Church, you will never you will never know God's will for your future until you start engaging His will for your right now. You will never know His will for your future until you start engaging His will for right now. You won't know it. And so every time you say, I just want to know God's will He whispers it. You see the person over there? Go embrace them. Well, but God, I just want to know your will. You, You see the The family over there, go serve them. But God, I just want to know your will. Like, what's going to happen in five years? But God says, okay, you want to know my will, then you you see the, the hurt over there, go forgive that. God's will is really, really, really clear. We just have to engage it and submit to it and live it out, and do it. So where do I start? I, I want to engage God's will, and I want to engage His will for right now in my life. Where do I start? I don't even know where to begin. Do I, do I go to that person, this thing over there, my money, my time? My, what do, how do I engage it first? And I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul wrote here in the book of Colossians to a church. He was writing to encourage. encouraging. He says this in Colossians 3, verse 23. He says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for humans, because it is the Lord Christ you are serving. He says, whatever you do, work at it as though you're working for the Lord. If you want to know God's will, because you joined a family and you adopted the mission and you want to engage it and you want to go and you want to serve and you want to see his kingdom come in your life and through your life, this is where you start. When you walk out of this room, when you walk out of your house, whatever you do, you work at it as though you're working for the Lord. That means when you walk up to somebody and someone speaks to you, then you let your mind go back to the Word of God and say, well, what's God's will for this right now? Well, he tells me to speak gracious words, and so I'm not going to complain to them. I'm going to speak gracious words to them. And I walk up to somebody, and somebody's, is struggling and they're complaining and I think, okay, I could gossip right now but God's will for right now is that I don't gossip but I instead encourage. When I get up in the morning and I walk out down the hall and my, my kids come bounding out of their rooms and I'm not having any coffee yet at all and I think I just want to growl at them right now but I don't because the Lord told me to be a father who doesn't exasperate his kids but loves them and models his heart for them. See, God has revealed His will for you in every single moment, everything that you do. So, church, whatever you do, you engage it. And here's the awesome twist when you begin engaging His will for right now in everything you do, whatever you do, then you find out that the what ifs kind of clear themselves up and the wins. Kind of clear themselves up, because the more you engage his will and the more in your whatevers that you engage god 's will and you live like he 's called you to live and he 's told you to live, the more you do that, the more it becomes natural for your heart to submit to his heart and your mind to submit to his mind and your words to submit to his words, and the more it becomes natural then in the what ifs and in the winds and all those things in the future, when you confront them, when you come up to them. You know what to do because it's become natural to engage the will of God in whatever you do. So church, let's stop asking God, reveal your will, and let's just start doing what he's already revealed. You've joined a family, you've adopted a mission, and you've been sent on that mission. This morning, if you've never followed Jesus, I want to invite you to that family. I want to invite you to that family where you can be, can be submitted to a king that made you and then purchased you back and rescued you back so you can be in the family. The way we do that here is we're lowered into water and our past is forgiven. We come out of the water full of that Holy Spirit of God so we can walk in step with his spirit and step with his will. If you've never done that, then I want to invite you today, if you're in this room, to catch me at the end and say, I need to follow Jesus. If you're online, send a message right now. I need to follow Jesus. If you've already followed Jesus, though, what I want to challenge you to, what I want to challenge you to, is to stop asking, what if, what if, what if. It's to stop arguing, but God, but God, but God. And I challenge you to fully surrender every part of your life and your heart and your mind and your schedule and your checkbook and your family so you can do the will that God has already revealed to you and when we do we see our whole community be transformed because the kingdom grows and grows and grows I'm going to pray for us and then we'll sing one more song then we'll have communion together and give an offering and be sent out of this place. Let's, let's bow and pray together. Father, God, I ask that you would right now, right now I ask, God, that you would be working in us. I pray you would be reminding us one more time of the will that you have revealed, that you have handed over. And Father, I ask that you would convict our hearts, and send us out so that those in an unbelieving, broken world would come to know and to see you. And I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's sing one more song together as we respond. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to come into our lives.